Ignition sequence starts. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. In early June 1952, Project Blue Book was operating according to the operational plan that had been set up in January 1952. It had taken six months to put the plan into effect and to a person who has never seen indoctrinated into the ways of the military, this may seem like a long time. But consult your nearest government worker and you'll find that it was about par for the red tape course. This another uh, entry into the report of unidentified flying objects by Edward J. Rappel. Joining me again is Dr. Bill. Hello. Bill. Hey. Good morning. How are you, sir? It's good. Hey, I got a thunderstorm. It looks like coming through, so you might hear some awesome thunder. Good. Yeah. That'd be great. Great effect in the back. Good. Good. Good All effects. your equipment gonna survive? Yeah. It'll be fine. It's uh, it's just like we seem to we might lose power. We might lose internet. So who knows? We'll see what happens. Okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, and it's yep. uh, looks like it's here for the next hour. So perfect timing. Awesome. Perfect timing. Perfect. Yeah. So do we have any uh, anything exciting happen in the world view of week? I know we had another. Now you you had sent me and I didn't have a chance to watch it. It was the um, oh, oh the Leto. Yeah, there was a debunking, or the they're like yeah. are they battling back and forth as to what's real. Yeah, it's. yeah, it's basically that it's it's Michael West and Chris Leto, or sort of or Chris Leto is con, um, countering what Michael West is saying. It's the it's the usual stuff, and I, I think that um, it's the gimbal video, which looks like a flying saucer, but Michael West and other people are saying that it's a, a jet exhaust. Except it moves sideways and, and nobody knows of a jet that can actually fly sideways or something. I don't know. Uh, it's basically, uh, they're, they're arguing over definitions, you know, and word definitions, I guess. I don't know what they're doing. Basically, it's the video has is a credible UFO video provided by the military. The military doesn't know what it is and it... Um, and uh, Michael West and other debunkers are just arguing that it's uh, something. They're trying to explain it, and then um, yeah, it just it seems like they're going badly back and forth, just trying to grab views. Yeah, yeah. it's just well, Chris Chris Lato is actually I think is very very good. I mean, the guy knows the equipment and he he knows the planes, and and so I, I he's an expert on this stuff, and he's saying it, it's a legit legitimate we don't know what it is right so it's an it's a ufo for him it's like a ufo it's no known aircraft based on his analysis which he goes into depth great depth uh as distance and angles and he knows like i said he knows the equipment and he's like i can't figure out what this is it isn't anything i've seen it isn't anything anyone else has seen it's a definite unknown and michael west is they're just arguing they're arguing lens flare and gimbal rotation seems to be a, a big deal. And it's like, okay, fine. I don't know. What are they referring to when they say gimbal? Is it gimbal? The, the camera, the... the targeting pod has a, a, a mechanism in the front so it can, can uh, track. So it's like an eyeball basically on the front. 
And so the eyeball can, it's basically, it's an eyeball and it can, the eyeball can look up and down and side to side. And it also has a mirror on the inside that can rotate. And the whole thing is to keep the um, visual image oriented for the pilot. But like an eyeball, I mean, I don't know what they're arguing. I don't understand, you know, I don't understand. And I haven't seen a great explanation of sort of the gimbal rotation thing. So it's an eyeball. It can look up and down, left and right, and it can rotate to keep the um, orientation of the camera for the so the pilot can understand what he's looking at while he's flying. And then they're also you know, I mean, it, it automatically tracks anything that like they're saying this is a space. Well, yeah, well, it's an unknown. We think it's a spacecraft. Yeah, it's an okay, unknown. We think it's a spacecraft. <laughs> we want it to be a spacecraft. So it's, so a, it's an it unknown. Automatic, does it auto it auto tracks in the you know that thing that like yeah. squeezes it together as part of their targeting? Yeah, it targets as they paint as they paint. So the gimbal is this thing that rotates and tra- helps track. Keep this thing in that site. Yeah, it's a, it's about. it's actually they actually have a lock on it. And now so with, it's able to keep. So it moves and stays locked on no matter what the orientation. Pretty much, unless the aircraft turns all the way around, it has an air. It, it will stay. Well, not when it. it it's like an it's like an eyeball. It's pointing forward, so it cannot turn backwards. And apparently, it, it has it. I don't know how far it can turn down, but there's it. It can rotate quite a bit, but it cannot turn backwards. Okay. So it's it's literally like an eyeball, but a very it's like um you know those lizards with the eyes that stick out on the top of the heads that can look all around. Yes. It's close to that. So it's like up there and it can look left, right, up, down, but it can't look, you know, backwards. Uh and then they're talking about uh lens flare and yeah, it's just like it's it's actually reached reached the reached the point of being tedious. Um I looked at yes. the stuff. I'm not doing an in-depth analysis on on what Leto is saying. I trust his math, and I would just say it's an unknown. It's not a known aircraft. Um, you can argue to death about lens flare, and it could be just an engine exhaust. But you know, he's he's done a calculation of the size, and it's awful. It's twenty like twenty thirty feet across. Um, it's moving sideways. It's just, it, there's a lot about it that just, it, it's an unknown. You don't know what it is. The military doesn't know what it is. The people that are spending hours arguing about it don't know where it is. They're wasting our time. They're wasting their time. It's an unknown. Move on. Yeah. And you're not going to get, yeah. 30 feet across. Or is that what they're determining? That's what Chris Lato think it is. He's about 30 feet, 22 to 30. 22 feet to a little more, less than a little more, 25, something like that. So 30, approximately less, less than 30, between 20 and 30 feet. Not great, not a great deal of size, but like a boat, I just, I kind of equate these things to a boat. You know, you've been on a 30 foot boat, I guess it could be the sports model. It would be the sports model of a spacecraft. Sports model. Yeah. He says, um. What did he say? He said that a fighter was 60 feet or 80 feet. I can't remember which. So a jet fighter is 60 to 80 feet long. So, yeah. Yeah, that was exciting. And then the, uh, uh, did you see the news report about green, two aircraft seeing green fireballs over Canada? More fire. I did not see the new fireball. Yeah, I just saw that. that It was July 30th. I just saw a news thing on it because I did a quick search. Uh, a military jet and a 
civilian jet both saw a bright green object flying through the crowd, flying through clouds. So it sounds like green fireball. So anyway, yeah, yeah, we never did determine uh, even on the fireball episode of what say Elmo's fire, or of course that's kind of tiny compared to what everyone's seeing. The green fireballs are kind of large. Well, it's so, like La, La Paz, who is the, La Paz, who is the guy that investigated that, who was a meteorite specialist. He he never figured out what it is. Oh, let me put a lot my, of unknown out there. Yeah, you know, a lot hang, of unknown. I'm gonna put my glasses on here. Yeah, something that I have to do each time that I'm well. I could read a lot of the stuff, but it's just like I was looking at this one thing. I go, that's awful tiny print. So, uh, and you watched, you watched the new UFO episode. I watched the one that channels, the one that's on YouTube. With, uh, Abrams? Uh, the J, yeah, the J, well, there's the other one we're going to talk about. But the, yeah, definitely. The net, the there was J, the Netflix the one. I watched two of them, and I, I don't think I can continue. <laughs> No, I, well, I jumped to the channels, but when you gave me channel seven, they call it. Oh yeah, seven. that was the um, that was the I forgot I forgot about that. That was the yeah. BBC yeah. Um, news, not BBC Channel Seven Australia News. Um, the guy spent like a year researching it and doing stuff. That was actually really good. Yeah, that the guy that did the narration, um, the English gentleman. Yeah, yeah. He's also doing a new Ancient Aliens episode on history. I don't know if you've seen that. No, yet. no. Is that but just? They're in, yeah, they're twenty twenty one. They're actually June, July. They're recent. I was surprised because I love Ancient Aliens. Oh, I'll check that at out. Some po- at some point, we're gonna we're gonna go way back. Yeah, i uh, you know well, we were not gonna be back there, but um, gonna, actually trying to explore yeah. what. What what has popped up? You know, you always see those um, illustration, ancient illustrations of people in flight a, and little weird ships and yeah. stars and you know little and then helmets and then you know the sculptures that look like airplanes. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it, it, you know it. I enjoy that too. That's in why I go listen to that. But yeah, back to your. <laughs> The Channel 7, I say Channel 7, I assume that's a BBC. Or no, it's Australia. Australia, Channel 7 Australia. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they have BBC there. The most fascinating, you know, like I, I texted you, there was two things on there that were pretty fascinating. One was the kid, the school kids. Yeah. That all, there was a spacecraft that landed in Australia. And I'll say that. Just, I mean, they all did, then they gathered them together later in yeah. life yeah. as adults older even an older adults and the gentleman asked them to write to, or draw, to draw this the ships the spacecraft yeah. and they all drew pretty much the same exact spacecraft um that they saw at that time so yeah that was it, that was fun I, yeah and that i mean that i've seen that before and i i you know you see so we watch so much well, there was that. About some of these. There was a. They did that with that kid. Those kids at the school was it South Africa had a similar experience, and they had them. Um, that was in the I think the phenomenon documentary, yeah. and they had them all. They all had them all draw pictures again too. So that was a similar sort of um, episode or experience I mean, for these kids. Yeah, this is this is one of those things where 
I, you know, then the thing takes off, of course. But this is one of those things where I, be, you know, this makes you be, want to believe for sure. Because, I mean, the, again, why, I mean, we could go into why haven't we been able to put our hands on, on you and I, you know, obviously. But what, you know, if another, if they're crashing, they're picking up these things so fast and, you know, getting everybody's video so quickly so it can't be put up. You know, or, you know, is the government, is the video going up and the government able to go into, you know, YouTube and uh, Facebook? I don't, I don't think they have to. I don't think they have to because it's just, you know, um, because the the stigma assigned to UFOs are just going to, you know, you go, eh, you know, believe it or not, who cares? Um, yeah, but they haven't gotten one where people are walking up. Like, I mean, we've seen the Air Force Base uh Sighting where the Air Force guy goes into the forest and he sees the air, sees the uh, UFO, and it's actually got writing on it, and it's binary. Was that know, the zero one zero one zero one zero whatever? Was that the UK one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where they have the, the it, was, it was U.S. Air Force Base, but in the UK. Yeah, yeah, that's a. The, I can't remember the name. Ram of it. Ram. I can't remember. Ramsfield. It might Something be, like yeah. that. And, you know, the so the guy walks up, he sees all this, puts his hand on it. I mean, this is, was a believable sighting as well. I well, mean, I don't know what benefit these guys could have by making this up, honestly. I mean, yeah, just there's... want notoriety. I mean, back then in the, this was later, though, I think the 60s. Um, it, back then, you're labeled a nut. I mean, let's face it. I, I think it still happens. It's, it's so, so we talked about, you know, there was the, the everybody's enabled you're a nut if you look at ufos and that's been the the stigma for since the 50s early 50s and now with the news that's come out they're saying well a lot of reporters think well you know this stuff is acceptable and stuff but you know there the washington post which has actually had some good interviews they had a good interview with uh, a video interview with uh Alizonzo, Alizonzo, Alizondo, Alizondo, Louis, Louis Alizondo. And um, they also had an interview with a couple people. I, that, that I like were, his new beard. I like his new beard. The, the little, yeah, the little white beard. Yeah. And the. Uh, Looking good, Louis. Looking good. He's getting older. I so. know you're listening. Yeah. And then the, uh, they also had one with, uh, I don't know if he was the director and a historian that worked on the latest UFO documentary that jj uh, abrams worked on yes that was awesome yeah the first one the reviews haven't been very good by the uh people that have seen it um and they don't know anything yeah i'm not sure they're saying the i was looking at reviews on a couple sites and they were saying these are people this isn't professional reviewers which you know you know they get they get paid to say good things um there it is. That thunder. Yeah, that's this. All right, I love Florida. I don't know how far away it is. It's not that far. I'm not seeing flashes, so I, I this might. This would be a good effect for the show. Yeah, maybe I won't. Oh, lose. This, unless everything goes dead. And that you happens. Have, that you don't happens. Have a generator back up there, sir. I'm nope. a little disappointed. Nope. nope. Um, as as a bit of a techie that you are, I thought that maybe. No. You got solar, I know, because you're up there replacing panels on your own. You're, yeah. You did something that I would never do. Well, I, I had a. Con I worked with a con solar panels. Well, I had worked with a contractor, and we replaced them because the old ones went out. And uh, I have to say, 
Panasonic really came through on shipping us all new sets of panels um, at no charge. Way to go. Yeah, no charge. Way to go. Yeah, Panasonic. But Panasonic doesn't do solar panels anymore. No. But, but How they, are they were working now. Everything functions. Oh, they're now. fine. They're fine. The, this climate's really hard on solar panels. They're not really, um, and I think pan, uh, they're not rated for much more than 140 degrees. And the roofs here get at least get that. So the panels don't. They're supposed to last 20 years. Our last set lasted. Oh, I don't know, maybe 10 or so. But Panasonic had a 20-year guarantee, and they just shipped us a whole new set for nothing. There's a big deal now in the state of California, which, which probably will shock you, mm-hmm. that um, you know there's a big deal about the storage uh, batteries um, from those panels and the installation. They want them to have a – my wife works, obviously, for the state. Yeah. They want them to have a separate entity they're working on. There's le- I don't know if there's legislation, but they're talking about it having a separate contractor deal with the storage batteries because they're so freaking dangerous. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, the lithium-ion batteries. Yeah. yeah. How, how big is the unit that stores that for you? Oh, we don't have batteries on ours. So um, you just have a converter and then you have the panels. And the oh, va- okay. So there's, you don't have that storage thing? No, we don't have batteries. That? Yeah, that's, that's newer technology. And that's... Um, I know we looked into that, but I, yeah, that was just a little too over the top. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that solar panels are really ready for prime time. After, oh yeah. After my experience, yeah. I mean, the cost has really come down, but um, I don't know. The previous panels, you know, basically were were having serious problems after ten years because of the climate. It's a tough climate. Yeah. So I don't know where the technology is and these things, my personal opinion, it, these things should have a 50 year lifespan. Um, and they're right now you're looking at 10 years or less in a, in a severe climate. Now, coastal yeah. California, you know, where it's coastal California, these things may last 50 years, but you put them out where you are, uh, they're going to have a 10 year lifespan. You know, your roof. Well, the thing is, yeah. It, well, with where we are, we have smud. We're in the Sacramento area. Yeah. I don't think that's a secret. Um, we have smud, and then outside that Sacramento you, uh, utility district, and then outside of us is good old PG&E. And oh, sm- when I was smuds. Like, smuds. Uh, is it a co-op? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. So you the, got your the you're, energy is pretty. I I I work with guys that do pool. Uh, solar, you know, yeah. with the solar where the water just goes through the tubes. That's that's the, the guy that that did the solar panels. He's he he's a pool guy, solar pool yeah. guy. But he also he yeah, used they, to do this. So yeah, and they will do. I forget what they call it. They have a name for it. But they also do. They'll put those in, and then they'll also put on the um, solar for the electricity for the pumps. And there's yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are bad that are, you yep. know, pretty, and they're selling this thing as it's a, you know, you reduce and it, and it does, I don't know. It used to be able to put power back on the grid and now I we don't do know that. If they do that anymore. We That's, do that. So you don't have any, so you have no electricity bill. No, it's, um, it's, it's basically the same every month. Uh, it offsets it by about half. 
So, because we didn't get a big array because it was real expensive when we put it in. The prices have come way down. Oh, uh, for electricity? For the uh, solar panels and the oh, converters. The panels and they panels, were, yeah. So, when we bought it, the panels cost as much as the converter or inverter. And when the, that inverter right. went out, so we had to get have someone come in and replace the inverter. The original inverter was $10,000. Oh my God. And then the panels were like $10,000. And then when I had the inverter replaced, it was $1,500. Oh, so, wow. so the prices came way down. Yeah. Now we have a German inverter, which will probably last a hundred years. And before we had, uh, you know, I don't know, Japanese inverter that lasted, didn't even last 10 years. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the, the stuff is the prices have come way down. Most panels are made in China now. Uh, so I don't know um, if they they need to be rated for a harsher climate. You're right now. You said it was going to be 105 in Sacramento. Your roof is going to be 150 degrees or more, 160. Yeah. And these panels uh, aren't designed to operate over 140 degrees. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to have panels if you're going to be, you know, they're not designed to operate in harsh climates. They're designed to work, but they, you know, they can work in space and on the moon, right? Right. Uh, so I don't know what they're doing with the the ones that we buy, and hopefully they've gotten better. But we'll see. I'm not sure they're ready to prime time. Ellen Musk's uh, solar panel roof company. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, that oh, was he's got his own solar panel company. Yeah, it was bundled into uh, SpaceX. They had a lawsuit over it. Um, his brother was involved in it, and he not SpaceX, Tesla. He got it brought into Tesla. Tesla bought it. Uh, it's a good idea. I don't know where they're, they haven't been uh, moving forward very fast with it. <clears throat> but, you know, that's Musk. I mean, he, he throws stuff at the wall if it sticks and makes, you know, a great business. It does. If it doesn't, you know, it goes away. Yeah, I watched the first episode of his, uh, well, I didn't quite even get through the first episode of his SpaceX tour. Yeah, it's good. But I'm looking forward to seeing all that. But I just want to mention the slice on his neck. Did you rewatch it? No, I didn't see the slice on his neck. <laughs> it's where they like there's a hole. It looks like somebody tried to cut his throat. It's, and there's a, if you look at, and I get pretty. I got you know all my TVs are all my TVs are UHD. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell happened to his neck? And he was probably in doing something. And like, hey, look, Elon, don't try to cut the. You know, yeah. don't try to cut the sheet metal yourself, Elon. You're gonna slice your neck. Go, ah, it's, I, I told, don't I, try to be don't try to be so hands on, Elon. I, I told you, I told <laughs> told you that's where they plug the cord in. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's an he's an android. Yeah, I was. Well, if you ever talk to is he? He's got a weird cadence to his speech. Is he? He's South African. That's where he grew up. Okay, I was wondering where he was. I didn't really know where he was from that's interesting he is an awesome dude though yeah he is he's he's uh he's definitely a mover and shaker he's like the modern steve jobs yeah he uh he he was uh grew up in south africa when he turned 18 he immigrated to canada to go to university and then he did university there and then he went to uh he got admitted to the physics program at stanford as a matriculated student but then I think it was his brother was there involved in a business startup or something. And then um, uh, instead of starting school, he, he got involved in the business. And that eventually led to PayPal. And then PayPal his brother? led to... 
Uh, no, Musk was involved in PayPal, I believe. Oh my God, really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, amazing. Well, his superpower from I read is an old biography of him, which is outdated, which I wish I'd read read ten years ago. Uh, his superpower is um, able to navigate regulatory bureaucracies. He's also very smart, technically. But that he learned to navigate the banking bureaucracies and get uh, online banking going, like with PayPal. Yeah. And then he came into Tesla and applied that to uh, sort of the car, building cars, building electric cars. Because one of the big inhib- inhibitions to building anything in the United States is regulatory hurdles. So he yeah. had... Um, uh, car companies, of course, the laws are written to protect the big car companies. But so he was came in, and his superpower is to figure out how to navigate. Or he has people that have worked for him and followed him to these different companies know how to uh, navigate these regulatory hurdles to get this stuff to work. So yeah, now he's uh, well, and, and SpaceX is and SpaceX is all of them because he didn't. California just gave up and left. Well, SpaceX is the same thing. It's like you got a regular. You, you want to build space. You know who builds spaceships? Countries build spaceships. Yeah. So he he uh, figured out how to navigate the regulatory uh, bureaucracy to get uh, his online banking company company going. Figured out how to do it to get his car company going, and he figured out how to do it to get his uh, rocket company going. So he's got the he's got the technical smarts for like the math and the physics if you watch the interview he knows the systems that they're putting together he may not be able to design them but he knows what's going on at uh, spacex well yeah he's phenomenally intelligent yeah so it's like what's what's what what ceo can walk around the plant basically of his company and know everything that's going on so it's like none none i can tell you that route none so Uh, ex- ex- why we hire? That's why we hire people to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, it's anyway. So, yeah, the UFO. You you watch the uh, UFO Abrams. I watched the first episode. I don't have Showtime, so I don't well, know. They, well, they it was weird. They put out episode one and four. Yeah, that was so. Weird. Deb Deb says, "Well, do you want to watch four? And I go, "No, I want to watch it in order." You know? Yeah. So I guess uh, tomorrow. They're dropping number two. Deb needs to keep reminding me. I okay. said, is it out yet? And she says, no, it's, it's, I thought it was the 11th. And she says, no, it's dropping on the 15th. Luckily, I have a person to keep track of these things. Yes, so, good. Excellent. A, a mind, I should say. They have a mind to <laughs> yeah. keep track of these things. So we're, uh, we're looking forward to it. She watched it too. And I, I, Deb doesn't really become too much engaged in these things. In this episode, she actually was like, whoa. Oh, it's good. But it's all the things you and I have. It's interesting because we're just regurgitating. Doesn't it seem like? Yeah. Regurg- all these things you and I are. I mean, maybe not the average person knows or the average doesn't know what we know, but the, or if discussed to this length, that's why we're here. Yeah. But they, um, it's weird because it's everything we've, you know, we see Chop on there and you see all our, all Chop, our heroes. Yep. Rupel. Yep. Rupel. And, you no know, Mc, no and, McDonald uh, though. Yeah. They, and it's uh yeah. They had McDonald on the Australian show though. Because he had gone to Australia. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He was in the uh James McDonald, who was like the parallel 
for a different organization to Ruppelt, not Ruppelt, uh, Heineck. Yeah. So the Abrams thing had Heineck and Ruppelt, but no uh, James McDonald. But the the Australian one had James McDonald because he went there for a meeting, and that school teacher with the kids. He was right. saying, he was saying, yes, this guy from the president of the United States came and interviewed me. He was like, no, no, he wasn't from the no. pres- president of the United States. Yeah. McDonald was um, there for a meeting, and in his spare time, he would investigate UFO sightings, and that's when he went and talked to him. And the press in Australia was just like, thought he was since he was there, he was on a, he had government money to do research. Government money paid for him to go there to present a paper at a meeting. And so the press was going, oh, the U.S. government has paid him to come investigate UFOs. No, he's doing that on his own. But uh, he actually got in trouble when he returned to the United States because of that. Because um, they were saying, are you using he, – he, they actually investigated him. I uh, had the uh, – what do they call it? Uh, I want to say the Surgeon General. They call him the uh, – anyway. Uh, Inspector General. Inspector General. They had an Inspector General yeah. um, look into to his budget to make sure that he didn't spend any money on the UFO stuff. So he got some heat from that. But anyway, but yeah, they cover the they're covering the whole bases. Um, the well, JJ Abrams does. I mean, I, I love JJ Abrams, all all of his stuff. So he's. I'm sure the coverage, although familiar, will at least be conveyed in a way that you know is entertaining. It was a lot more watchable than the Netflix one. God. Oh my god! Oh yeah, stocked with a shitty audio. Yeah, the video. Oh, and um, apparently you know, the illustrations. The reviews say that they're doing some crappy CGI in this, but I don't know if people are mixing this one up with um, the other one. I, I'm guessing they are. Yeah, we're that's not what, very bright. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. But you know, so shall we? Uh, is that enough for the up to uh, up to date? We managed to manage to to do that. Oh, did you see the? Um, so I'm not really. I don't know a lot about cattle mutilations. <laughs> why, why not? Because I, I, I didn't You're think scientist. it was anything. <laughs> but it was interesting to look at the um, the Australian Channel Seven documentary, where uh, they showed that guy's cow, the pictures that he had of his cow that had been mutilated yeah. in the yeah. Australian wilderness. What and, does that? I don't know. And he was saying there was a bunch of cows that. Uh, uh, that had happened to. And I also noticed that that uh, rancher, when he was driving his little four-wheel, four-wheel buggy around, he did have a scoped rifle on a rack behind him. So well, you have to. Yeah, out there. Arm. Yeah. Sidearm also. Out, well, you're I, in the, you're, look where you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff there that'll kill you. Yeah. I mean, spiders and snakes. Uh, hungry, and, hungry things. Yeah. Yeah, things that, yeah, your food. Yeah, it's like going to Africa. You're no longer at the top of the food chain. Yeah, yeah. you're just might even be even maybe a little lower. Well, we, we've <laughs> we, we've never been the top of the food chain. The only time we're in the top of the food chain is in in sufficient numbers to um, yeah to overpower anything else. Yeah. Great. Uh, so we we are talking about the big flap. The big flap, and the big flap as it's described by Repelt could be anything from, you know, an inspection, you know, a surprise inspection, shakeup in 
military management or command, or a girl that's uh, sufficiently stacked walking into a bar. Is that what he said? You know, that's what he yeah. said in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know that's, that's very that's what applies. And it's funny because that's an old school term that, as I read into this, it's like oh, my dad used to use that term. I don't. I. You know? I mean, it sounded familiar, but I just like it's not something you hear used anymore. Usually, causing a big flap. Yeah, it's no longer a term, no longer used. Yeah. But as because this is from 1951. 50. Um, oh, the the Yeah. Where we are in the book at at, at the moment, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at this book, going, okay, we're not even happy. And plus three plus three chapters. Then yes, we are half. We are halfway. Um, I also was looking at the um, Project Grudge reports <clears throat> that I picked up from uh, NICAP, found online uh, that NICAP had published, and um, so I was just looking at. And these are the official reports of uh, Project Grudge. I got January. February, March, and then they uh, skip. This is for 1952. March, April, and then they... April, May. Oh, it keeps going. Oh. What am I looking at? I don't know. I think maybe I want to look at 50... No, this is right. So, But there's a gap in here because... Um, in the reports, because they uh, were so busy at this during the big flap that they didn't have time to do their monthly reports because they were investigating so many UFO sightings. Now on the, um, the big flap. Now that's project blue book, right? We've project, project blue, blue book. book right now. And the, um, uh, grudge is officially wind, winded down. Correct. Yeah. And it's gone. It's like, it's so in these reports. So I have these, these are air technical intelligence center, Wright Patterson Air Force Base Project Where all the Grudge. Spacecraft are, by the yes, way. these are status <laughs> reports that were originally confidential. They've been unclassified by Robert J. Friend, Major, who was like a um, in September ninth, nineteen sixty. He was a he was a guy that was also in charge of Project Blue Book after Ruppelt. I guess there was a, several of them, and then Quentin Nia apparently took over at some point, but friend was also running a project blue book. He declassified unclassified these reports, uh, 1960. So, um, this actually gives these, is this one written by Ruppelt? No, this is a grudge report you're looking at. <clears throat> yeah. This one looks like it's written by, well, he kind of came on, at the end of, well, oh, is this is these was are, there for grudge, but yeah, this is oh, these stamps aren't. I don't know who wrote this one. There's no signature on it. Yeah, he came on board. He had a desk during grudge, and he was um, he was just yeah, he was helping another. Uh, oh, I don't know if he's a lieutenant. That's kind of low, a major maybe. Um, captain, I think. Well, he was a captain. So Rupelt. Yeah, Rupelt was a captain. Yeah. In fact, oh wait, here it is. As, no, this is weird. Okay, no, go ahead. Well, he he took over when he when he was taking over, and they mentioned. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm just he looking. Was a, he was a he, captain, and they were like, "Hey, you know, you have to be at least a major." And finally, they just gave up. And so I thought they were going to promote him. I thought, well, they'll you know promote him, but I don't think they did. 
Uh, so they just let him do it as it's at his current rank. Okay. This is actually this is interesting because the uh, um, Project Grudge, Grudge Report for January 1952, number three. There's no author on this report when it was classified, and then Project Grudge Report number four, February 1952. I can't read the name. It is it has a different author, Dare. Arnold, I can't remember. I can't read that. But when you get to status report, Project Blue Book report number five says formerly Project Grudge, March thirty-one, March nineteen fifty-two. You now have Rupelt as the author. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not Grudge anymore, though. That's it's now that's Project Blue Book, Blue Book, March thirty-one, nineteen fifty-two. So the March. So this is the end of the month report, and uh, Rupelt is now fully in charge of Blue Book, and he, um, what does he say here? He's got some good stuff. Um, well, he had uh, he had four officers, two airmen, and yep. two civilians at his project <clears throat> staff, and there were three scientists employed, and Project Bear was the other project. It was kind of their research and yeah, he talks he talks about that. That was Batil, which they have contract scientists with. I'm trying to look at this. Um, yeah, doing the bear, the Project Bear thing was you know gives them some background information on these uh, sightings. Yeah, but, and he, he says he's talking about visits by some. You know, he mentioned before that he had scientists visiting that he couldn't talk about. Uh, here he mentions one guy is Dr. Joseph Kaplan was the uh, Air Force Scientific Advisory Board visited and he suggested spectrum analysis on on the um, craft they were seeing because then you could tell easily from the spectrum whether or not it was a, a fighter jet. Right. So, so that's actually Hynek mentioned that in, in his book about spectrum analysis. I think that's a great idea because it's like you could look at uh, – a fighter jet exhaust is going to have a specific spectrum. So like the, we were talking about the gimbal argument where people are going right. at whatever they're arguing about. I mean, it's an unknown there. We don't know what it is. A spectrum analysis of that would tell you if that exhaust, if that was immediately would tell you if that was an exhaust plume and the analysis would give you the, uh, you know, if it's jet exhaust or something else, that's why actually, don't we have? Why don't we have the ability to at least do that? I have no idea. I mean, I, I noticed it when I was reading the Heineck book that he talked about spectrum analysis. Now, astrophysicists do this. This is how they look at stars and everything in the in in space. Spectrum analysis and building these instruments to analyze light is all they do. So it's like the technology's out there to do some real. Uh, maybe they're doing this with the Galileo project at Harvard with these cameras. Uh, I'm actually going to look into. Uh, you I'm love look the Galileo project, don't you? So, uh, it's, you, can it's, you can completely embrace this project. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, okay, it, it's, it's awesome. a good good idea, and uh, Rupelt talks about this stuff in in his reports. Um, so Do you think Galileo is going to give us the breakthrough? Really? That's hard to say. I mean, it's been 70 years and there's been no breakthrough. I don't know why they haven't been doing spectra, spectra, spectrographic analysis. Um, 
But here's another thing in this report from um, Project Blue Book number five, uh, end of March. Remember in the Hynek letter that we talked about previously, where um, people said uh, one of the criticisms was none of these uh, uh, observatories, astronomical observatories, have seen um, UFOs, and that was a criticism of it, of why they didn't exist. Well, they're looking at stuff. They're not. They're looking at they're specific looking at stuff way the hell out there. They're not looking at our. Well, he said, um, "Who's talk? Who's he talking to?" He says, uh, "You're not going to see any. Well, unless they're looking. I mean, if you're thinking about science fiction about looking through that, you know, observatory, it's like, holy crap, there's a spaceship. Yeah, well, I, well it, 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 you know. Well, he was he he was talking with the Beacon Hill Group Air Force Technical Advisors, and they said the question of ability of large uh, astronomical observatories. They said that the chance of observing an object at random was low and that's what I'm talking about Project yeah. Galileo they need to know where to put this stuff to actually get information um, and he says uh, Ruppelt's report says this was very interesting because some people have had the theory that no unusual objects could exist because they would have been detected by observatories okay. right um, that's they, bullshit yep I mean it's just it's too the, I think the field of view is too narrow and the um Whoever said that was ridiculous. Oh my god! It's it's the de it's the debunkers. It's the debunkers because they're. Well, if you think they don't, I mean, don't, why throw that out there? Yeah, it's the thing. Like their vision is too broad for. I mean, I don't want to say too broad. They're not going to see anything specific. Yeah, they're looking at solar systems and. Well, it's you a know, very black narrow. holes and. You know, they're, they're not going to, even if a ship flew right in front of that at however thousands of, or 1,500 miles an hour, even whatever, you know, they wouldn't even see, it would be a flash through that. Oh, hey, is that a UFO? And then they have to start tracking it and from light years away. I don't know how far out they can see. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's, I mean, they're, it's, it's all spectrum analysis and then the big um, film layering. Uh, image yeah. image capture where you take a thousand images and you, you compile them to get a decent image and stuff. I don't know much about it. Um, but yeah, it was interesting that they pointed that out, but that was, I mean, this was a, this was a secret. This was, I guess the, the first they were confidential, these reports, confidential, confidential. And number three, Number four is confidential, and then number four was secret. They upgraded the the classification status on these reports from confidential to secret once Ruppelt was in charge. That's interesting. Yeah. Why would they upgrade them like that? That is interesting. Yeah. They don't need an upgrade. Wow. Um, so, he said, that guy came, blah, blah, blah. That's just I noticed that. And then... Um, um, he talks about, uh, he doesn't, I haven't reached the point where they've developed the, um, the questionnaire, right? The, um, that, uh, and I got, you have a copy of it in that other book by Tacker, Tacker, uh, yeah. this questionnaire. And they say there's psychological traps in there. I want to go through there and see if I can figure out what the psychological trap questions are. 
uh, eight pages, six, eight questions, which were booby-trapped in a couple of places to give us a cross-check on the reliability of the reporter as an observer. So, I don't know how you're doing that. So, we'll find out how reliable we are as observers if we can figure out what the trap is. Um, but he also talks about, uh, so here, status report, Project Blue Book number six, formerly Project Grudge, 30 April for the end of April. He says that uh, Look Magazine came in and to do interviews. So Look Magazines were sort of interesting because one was an article which had Menzel, who was the uh, uh, head of the astronomy department at Harvard, who in 1950 immediately wrote a debunking book on uh, UFOs and always uh, called them... Um, uh, what it, mirages or something like that, atmospheric distortions and stuff like that, and uh, which is interesting. He's also supposedly Menzel is also supposedly part of the Majestic Twelve. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, it's like if I don't know if the Majestic Twelve is a real thing, um, but it's interesting that well, people would put him on that list. So, if if people were making it up, they they would put him on the list. And then he talks yeah, about the. What's that? I'm hearing noises. Squeaking. No, is that, it's not me. It's not you? Your chair. It's my chair? I think that's my chair. Okay. <laughs> Did you get a new chair? No, it's the same chair. It's my old office chair. It's, uh, it's a nice chair. It makes noise, though. Uh, Life Magazine, which we can talk about. I sent you the link, but you have you. Have, ju I just sent you the link just a little bit ago, so you haven't had a chance to look at that. But that's a really good article. It broke out there. Did you, you had a? Did you have a lightning strike? Because you uh, broke oh, out there. Oh, um, no. Uh, how is it now? Is it better? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's. I'm, we're not having any lightning right now, but if it's in the distance, it can cause trouble. Because there was one um, one time we were doing it, and we. We were both breaking up because of the lightning strikes. So, yeah. so the uh, Life magazine, which I sent you a copy of it, is pretty interesting. And he, but Rupelt talks about in um, Blue Book report number six. He talks about the response reaction to the Life magazine article. Says uh, approximately 350 daily newspapers in all parts of the United States carried some mention of the article, and some mention of the fact that the Air Force was. Inst inst interested in receiving such reports. So, um, that's all I'm going to do for the grudge reports right now. But this Life magazine has some interesting features in it. I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit or you want to look yeah, at go it. Ahead. Talk about yeah, it. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, it's Life magazine from April 7th, 1952 with Marilyn Monroe on the cover. It's an awesome photo. Um, he said, last week, the U.S. Air Force made known to life the following facts. Uh, as a result of continuing flying saucer reports, the Air Force maintains constant intelligence investigations and study of unidentified aerial objects. Uh, two, a policy of positive action has been adopted to find out as soon as possible what is responsible for observations that have been made. Still hasn't found out. Uh, military aircraft 
are alerted to attempt interception, radar, and photographic equipment will be used in an attempt to obtain factual data. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that didn't really happen. I mean, they talked about this equipment, and as we saw with, I mean, when you get a little farther in this stuff, they, they never... They never built it. It never happened. The, defac- the fraction grading to get spectro- spectrographic analysis on the things, that didn't happen. The special cameras didn't happen. Uh, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all operational units of the Air Force have been alerted to report details of any sightings. For the Oh, this was interesting, too. This was great in here. They um, Was it in here? It was in here. They uh, said in here, they go, Project Zone, they definitely, you know, I s- figured this out from my reading, but in this article, it says the project set up to investigate the saucers, Project Sign, known to the press as Project Saucer. So, that's we're definitely... We t- remember, we t- remember we were kind of going back yeah, yeah. way and, in the beginning. And I that was reading the, the Kehoe book and then yeah. seeing the other documents and stuff, I was like, oh, well, Project Sign is Project Saucer. But this... Yeah, uh, that Kehoe and- book... Yeah, Keo kind of clarified that okay. when we went through that book. Yeah, this definite this definitely nails it though, which was nice to see. Which didn't mean anything because we figured it out anyway. Uh, first time since Project Saucer was changed to a special type Project Standard Intelligence function in December 1949. Okay, I guess okay. The reason as yet. There's no reason as yet to believe that any of the aer- aerial phenomena commonly described as flying saucers are caused by a foreign power or constitute a clear and present danger to the U.S. or its citizens. That sounds familiar. Excuse me. It says, out of this exhaustive inquiry, these propositions seem firmly shaped by the evidence. One, disc cylinders and similar objects of geometrical form, luminous quality, and solid nature for several years have been and may be now actually present in the atmosphere of Earth. Two, globes of green fire also of a brightness more intense than the full moons have frequently passed through the skies. And apparently someone in a couple planes in Canada just just saw something green. Three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Three, these objects cannot be explained by present science as natural phenomena but solely as artificial devices created and operated by a high intelligence. This is Life Magazine, 1952. And four, finally, no power plant known or projected on Earth could account for the performance of these devices. And then they go into a review. And they talk about 10 cases. You can you can read this over the next week. We can yeah. go, come back to it. Yeah. One of the interesting things in here is they, uh, they talk about the Lubbock lights, uh, some good incidents, uh, green fireballs. But he talks about the civilian saucer investigation, um, which is CSI, which is based out of L.A. And they got a picture here and they go, CSI includes Dr. Walter Reidel, who was chief designer at German rocket laboratory at Penemund. And I looked Me at... Too. Huh? V2, two. He's, yeah. a, he's a uh, rocket engine guy. And uh, he worked at, so I go into the Wikipedia article. They don't even mention that. They just say he worked in England the whole time. And then, oh, but, yeah. but he was definitely a paperclip scientist. He was brought to the United yep. States to work. Uh, he worked at North American 
Aviation Incorporated. Yeah. Uh, and what's interesting is this guy in 1968 went on a visit in East German and died. What? He died? He died, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. East Germany. Seriously. Well, I have a feeling that he didn't really die. It's like, oh, really? It's like one of those things. That this, this is a, the peak Cold War stuff. It's like it's, it's yeah. one of these things. I bet you he went to East so, Germany yeah. to visit family or whatever. Or even to, um, um, what do they call it? Uh, not immigrate. They used to call it, you defect. Defect, so, yeah. defect. So, or he might, I think he was probably Defected. an involuntary defection. So it's but like. Did he work with us? He didn't work. Yeah, he was paperclip. So why did he, was he just visiting and then he, got. He probably, I have a feeling maybe he just went over to visit family because, you know, Germany was cut in half and families were separated. So maybe he had you know, relatives that he wanted to see. And uh, 1968, but I wouldn't put it beyond be you know uh, past the the KGB to say, hey, you know, we have this American or British. I don't know what he was. Do- I don't know what to believe with his Wikipedia article. Um, but he definitely was a paperclip scientist. He was brought to the United States to work on rocket programs. Uh, and yeah, I could easily see the KGB going, "Hey, hey, buddy, how do you want? How do you feel about coming to work for the Soviet Union?" And he goes, "No." And they go, "You have no choice. Just <laughs> find your son. Yeah, 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 find someone about the right age who looks like him, and you know, hey, you know, send him back. Heart heart <laughs> attack him. The U.S. Yeah, this is him. No, they just <laughs> heart attack him and send the body back. It's like here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Suicide. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't take it anymore. So now I, I have a feeling that he didn't actually yeah. die in East Berlin. He was probably co-opted into the um, um, Soviet rocket program. There was a, one of their chief scientists died around that time. So I wouldn't be surprised. Or he might have defected and said, make it, just tell him I had a heart attack. Um, so, but that's an interesting observation from, and maybe observation from, from this life article but so anyway some really really cool interesting stuff especially when you tie in the cold war into it yeah we'll get there yeah we're gonna have to get up to uh we get out of the 50s first would be good oh man yeah i did a i did an inventory of my books and started putting a bibliography together i can spend a long time in the 50s are you going to go to the Dewey Decimal System? Yeah. No. I arranged them chronologically. I arranged them in order of publication. Oh, yeah. You can keep them that way? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm, I'm doing a list, too. So, I, I mean, the books can get all mixed up, but I have a list that will have them in order. So, and uh, that should be pretty interesting. So, the assignment, what you had me order, I didn't look at. Oh, that was just, uh, those were, um, what, is, what is that? That was, um, I think UFO investigator report from the, the, um, KUFOS, the right. J. Allen Hynek center for UFO studies. It was just a couple of their newsletters, but one of them looked real interesting because, um, it had, uh, apparently they spent a bunch of time investigating Roswell and that article, I don't know what's in the article. I just happened to see it on eBay. 
and I, I saw the, uh, you could read some of the page on eBay. Uh, apparently, they uh, they sent like a people out to the Roswell site to explore it, basically to do archaeology on the site and look for stuff. And yeah. I, I guess Kufos, they mentioned that they interviewed like 120 people. Apparently, they did an in-depth um, study on it. So, I don't know... Um, what's going on with Roswell, whether things are true or not. I've been reading this book by, uh, oh, uh, Corso, Philip J. Colonel, Philip J. Corso. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of noise and not a lot of signal in that book. This is the guy that said he fed a lot of the Roswell technology into the Army R&D program. But it's like, right. the, so far, I'm not done with the book, but so far he has said he brought something, some night vision stuff to um, the right people to look at and incorporate in, in their um, research. And then he talks about computers and silicon chips, but then it basically the ch- it's just a chapter on the history of the computer. And he says, oh, in 1947, somebody must have got a chip and gave it to the people, gave it to Bell Labs or something, 1947. He didn't give them anything. So I'm like, okay, come on. And then he has a chapter on the army apparently designed a military moon base. And they got that as an appendix. And I go, yeah, that's interesting, but that's not Roswell. That's not space alien stuff. Yeah. But he's saying, you know, it's the moon base to, uh, you know, have a fortress, again, anti-alien fortress or, to you know, uh, outpost to prevent the uh, Russians from claiming the moon. And then he's talking about lasers, but I think it's the same sort of thing. He's, he's giving a history of the laser, but he's not saying we had a working laser that we gave to the scientists to, to um, you know, back engineer. What do they call it? They call it reverse, reverse engineer, engineer, reverse engineer. And so, so far, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, he's not, he's not providing any proof or evidence other than sort of a you know, a story, but then so much of this stuff is just a story anyway. No, they were never able to find it. They studied archaeologically, I guess you could say. They don't get any, because, well, I guess we have to read it. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said grab it. I mean, take a look at it. Look at it. Yeah, take a look at it. If it looks interesting, send me a copy. Um, I'll definitely check it out. But yeah, it's um, some good stuff. What else was there? Oh, there was um, oh, there was a memo. Remember that CIA, UFO CIA documents? Oh, I don't have it here. I can remember, though. Um, that German scientist, Rydl, uh, was actually mentioned in one of those CIA, CIA documents. And the last note in the CIA memo uh, says that the um, an aeronautical society that that North American Aeronautical Society or something that Rydl belonged to uh, had discreetly gone to Dr. Walter Rydl and said he should disengage from the civilian saucer investigations. That's in the CIA memo. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, other than that, there was something else, but I don't remember because I'm bouncing around. So, so about you, the you the Roswell thing. So I don't know. You know more about Roswell than I do. So do you do you believe yeah. do you believe Roswell? I 
I I would like to believe. I just I don't. You know, there's been a lot of. I mean, we could go. That could be a whole chapter on Roswell. Yeah, they brought back the guy. Brought back the parts to his house and showed his I, kid. Yeah, I've, I've seen know. that stuff, and it's compelling. Um, yeah. So. And so a lot of- I don't know. They brought back. I mean, you know, they brought the aliens back to the air base, and then you know, they they walked where the spacecraft crashed. It left a lot of debris. And they walk, you know how you'll walk, and we've both done this. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, yeah. Police the area. Police the area. You're, you're not shoulder to shoulder, but you put your arms out. Yeah. You're right neck. So they scour that area, but they could have missed something. Because, yeah. That's well, why, you know. That's why you know, this were, this investigation I thought was interesting when I saw this report, because it's like, well, let's we'll see what they found. So maybe there'll be something in there. I'm hoping there's something interesting in there. I'd love to go in there with a metal detector. Just oh yeah, out. yeah. You know, I don't know. You never know. You might. I, I'm. I actually that. have a feeling that a lot of people have done that over the yeah. years. Yeah, I'm sure they've got. Yeah, but it, it, it's on. It, it's on the branch, right? It's not on Air Force property that they crashed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, they probably. I would have people pay me to go in there and do that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but then the the, the question is 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 uh, pinning down the exact site. So I'm sure the, many of the witnesses that were involved can have done that. But my concern yeah. is, is there's always the misinformation. So maybe there's uh, people, you know, could be it's like misinformation to make people look in another site. It's a big country, big space out there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool. Yeah. So next time is the Washington merry-go-round, which uh, – Will be cool because um, Rupelt gets a bit of a cold shoulder when he tries to investigate in DC uh, the sightings. Awesome. Well, we'll delve into that on the next episode. Yeah, we're about ready to wrap up. Yep. Um, thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Alien Pro Pod. Questions, comments, or requests to. The Alien Probe, the Alien Probe podcast at gmail.com. This is on Facebook at alienprobe.net. See us on YouTube and thank you. We have over 25,000 views on YouTube. Of course, we're not in video right now. We plan to be in the future, but you can catch us on YouTube, Twitter at Alien Probe Pod. Thank you to our senior producer, Robert Anthony, and thanks again, Bill, for joining. Okay. See you next time. See ya.